0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, what's up, y'all, and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersasimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. Uh, It's Miami week. We're... A week in, yeah, just about a week into Miami, and we are at the round of 16 before we head to the quarterfinals, and there's some surprises in this tournament for sure that we're going to take a look at this week, and then there's some also not very surprises um, that are not surprised that some players are playing as well as they are. Let's get... Pretty much right into it. I want to start the round of sixteen, so I gotta go through sixteen people here. But uh let's start at the bottom of the bracket. We always start at the top. Uh Stefano Sitsipas, who had an early exit out of Indian Wells, is on is cruising here. He beats Gasquet with the withdrawal, then he beats Garin, and then now he's gone to Karen Khachanov, who's having a good tournament. Khachanov, the 14 seed, had to go through that Laheka, Jerry Laheka, who's been playing really good tennis uh lately. He beat Musetti and Hachinoff gets through. Those two will play in the round of 16. That should be a really good match because those are two very solid players. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hachinov come into the quarters from the bottom side there, but Stefano Sitsipas is playing good tennis in Miami, so let's see what happens there. Um, An upset, if you just go right above that on the bracket, an upset who they are going to play into, Hachinoff and Sitsipas, could be Francisco Cedrindolo or Lorenzo Sinego. Two upsets... In the third round to get to this point, Francis Tiafo loses to Lorenzo Cinego in the third round. Lorenzo Cinego so far has beat Dominic Team in the first round. He's beat Daniel Evans and he's beat Francis Tiafo. So now he's just got one more match against Francis Serendolo before he gets there to the quarterfinals where he could play Hachinoff for Sitsipas. Senego, I think, could really make a run here to the semis, I believe, just because of how well he's playing, the guys he's playing. He's playing a big match every round, and he seems to be able to do it. So I would not be surprised if Lorenzo Sinego makes it to the semis here at this tournament. Right above there, the next quarter, it's Daniil Medvedev. The four seed is into the round of 16, and he is playing Hollis, Quentin Hollis, to be honest. Never heard of Quentin Hollis before this, but Quentin Hollis has beat Alex De manure he's beat Mackenzie McDonald, and now he plays Daniil Medvedev. Now, Hollis, he's not ranked at all, right? It could be Halas. I don't know which one it is. He's from France. He's 26 years old, turned pro in 2012. Um, does he have any titles? He has no titles. Uh, his, his career his career high is number 61. So do I think he can survive Daniil Medvedev? No. But I've been wrong in the past. So I, maybe he can. But he's having a great tournament to get to the you know, the fourth round, the round of 16 in Miami. Miami is a big tournament. So to do that and now be able to play Daniil Medvedev, pretty cool, honestly. Let's go right above that. This is the guy I'm really excited about. Christopher Eubanks, a qualifier into this tournament. It just takes a little bit some time for Eubanks to get going, right? He struggles for a little bit, and then, you know, all he needs is just that little, little spark, and he can really get moving. He beats a Torch, He beats Dennis Dennis Kudla in the first round, Borna Torch in the second round, and then he makes it all the way to the round of 16 where he will play Adrian Manorino. Manorino's, like, off and on, kind of. Manorino beat Ben Shelton, then Hubie Hercotch. So, really, anybody can come out of this. I'm going to pick Eubanks. Eubanks was on Tennis Channel earlier this week, and he talked about... uh how these courts really play to his favor they re- he loves playing on the courts here in Miami because of the pace that they're that they are they're really good for his serve and then how he likes to play so it's almost exactly what he wants in courts, so for him to make the round of sixteen, I know he's been doing a lot of stuff on the tennis channel. I love listening to him, listening to him and watching him on the tennis channel just because he's so raw and he just he gives you you know, the the real answer. And he's he's so, I guess, just real when he's on TV there. And he's great. I think he's great there because he also knows a lot about the game. So he can break down and analyze things very well. But when you're talking about his game, he's very raw and real and lets everybody in to know, you know, what he's thinking and everything that's going on. So I love that. Um, we keep moving up. Andre Rublev into the round of 16 will play Yannick Center. No surprises there. In uh, Rublev's little... Part it was J.J. Uh, Wolf was there. Gaël Monfils retired after just six games in the first set, um, so not great against Hugo Humbert. Um, J.J. Wolf beat Ale- Ale- oh man Alexander Bublék. That was those were the two first round matches that I was really excited about. Um, one went to a retired. The other one is J.J. Wolf. So, but Andre Rublev still playing great tennis. He beats everybody in two sets on his way to the round of sixteen and he will play Yannick Sinner. Yannick Sinner, a tough kind of draw here for Sinner. Sinner plays Jerry, and then he plays uh, Grigor Dimitrov. He could have played Struff at some point. So, like, this was kind of a tough bracket for sure. And this side is, I mean, you look at, the one right below it is Manorino and Eubanks. And then right above it is Rublev and Sinner. So <laughs> there's a drastic difference between these two matches in the round of 16. Keep moving up. Upsets keep coming, honestly. Uh, Rusavari is into the round of 16 after being Toro Daniel and then beating Batista Goot. Rusavari had to beat that Nuno Borges, who I talked about last episode. Then he had to beat Batista Gut. On his way to beating Daniel into the round of 16, he will play Bodig van de sculpt. He, Voldig van de sculpt beat Casper Rood. Casper Rood is really, I don't want to say struggling, but he hasn't been playing fantastic. Rude has yet to win back to back matches in 2023. He hasn't done it yet, which is tough and sad. Um, I talked, I think, last week about like what it's taken for Rude to get to this point. And then how he's kind of struggled being at the top, you know, this year. Uh, he Ever since kind of the U.S. Open, when he got that high seed, or he came out of that like number two in the world, he struggled a little bit. And it's a bummer to see because I think he's a great player. So I don't know what exactly is going on with Kasparud. I think he'll figure it out, but, man, hopefully sooner rather than later. Only a couple more. Round of 16 matches to get to in this podcast right here. Holger Rune continues to play fantastic tennis. He beats Fusevich, and then he beats Diego Schwartzman on his way to play Taylor Fritz. Fritz had a, has a great tournament so far, the 9 seed. He's beat Chapo to make it to the round of 16. I'm really looking forward to this match between Holger Rune and Taylor Fritz. The winner of that match plays Tommy Paul or Carlos Alcaraz. Alcaraz cruising through players. Um, straight sets, straight sets, and now he plays Tommy Paul who's playing great tennis right now. Tommy Paul is on a terror right now of Spaniards. He beats Davidovich Falkina on his way to the round of 16. Death, taxes, and Tommy Paul versus Spaniards was the headline for Tennis TV yesterday. The American moves to 12-0 and versus Spaniards in his last 12 matches with his win over uh, Davidovich Falkina. And now he plays Alcaraz, another Spaniard. He has beat... Verdasco, Alcaraz, uh he's beat RBA, Nadal, uh, PCB, who is Pablo Carino Busta, Davidovich Falkina, and then he beat Roberto Batista Agut again, and then he beat Davidovich Falkina. So he is on a terror when it comes to Spaniards. Does that do I think it has anything to do with Spaniards? No. I think it has everything to do with him playing really, really good tennis at this time. So do I think he can beat Carlos Alcaraz? Probably not. Like, the way that Carlos Alcaraz is playing right now is lights out, right? Unless Tommy Paul does something different or, you know, uses a different tactic about him. But pure talent and pure skill and the way he plays in Carlos Alcaraz, it's going to be hard for anybody really to beat him right now. Um, the quarter, though, could be Tommy Paul, Taylor Fritz. What I would love to see that quarter. I would I would probably like to see you know, Rublev make another quarter. I'd love to see Christopher Eubank play Daniil Medvedev. The interesting part about Daniil Medvedev in this tournament, he has reached the final in every single Masters 1000 tournament on hard court, except Miami, um, which is shocking that he hasn't made the Miami open, but it's also a little shocking that he's made every hard court Masters 1000, he's made the final up. So that's, the kind of player he is. When you're getting Daniil Medvedev, you know you're getting a stud, and that's the kind of player he is. Uh, Lorenzo Senego I think he keeps rolling. Uh, I think I, I honestly think the way Sinago playing right now, he could win this next match against uh, Serendolo, get into this quarterfinal, and I think he could beat Sitsipas or Hachanov. Sitsipas or Hotchinov are both players that can beat anybody at any time. But they're also both players that will just lose to anybody at any time. And I know that seems like a very cliche thing for me to say. But, like, these two players can play, like, lights out, right? Like, Stefano Tsitsipas played lights out at the French Open a few years ago. Hachinov played lights out at the U.S. Open last year. But then again, they could also lose to, like, Lorenzo Senega in the quarterfinals of Miami. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, there's, there's a reason why I don't talk about... Hachinov and Sitsipots late in tournaments a lot and it's just because a lot of times they're just not there so I think Senego can make the quarters and if he makes the or, sorry not the quarters I think he can make the semis and if he makes a semis he'll run them into Medvedev or Eubanks god I would love to see Eubanks make a semifinal. that would be awesome and he's American and he's fun to watch he's tall big serve massive forehand um he he's a good time to watch on court if you ever get the chance to. That's what's going on in the round of 16. It's going to be a shorter podcast today. We might get into a little news here in a sec, but I want to get to the women's side first. Uh, the best players in the world still rolling over there on the women's side. Elena Rabakina, who just won Indian Wells, still rolling at the top. She's the number 10 seed. Um, she's ranked number 10. I saw this earlier this week. It's just so weird because of what happened at Wimbledon last year, and she wins it, and You know She doesn't get the points from Wimbledon and just how the points worked last year. She just doesn't get all the points. So she is not a 10 seed. I think she's top two, top three, if not the best player in the world right now. Uh, Jessica Pagula is in there. Uh, She's fun to watch. Petra Kavitova has been playing fantastic lately. She's had good results at good tournaments, and she's been fun to watch. She's the number 15 seed. She's into the quarterfinals. And then Arena Sabalenka, the number two seed, is in the quarterfinals. All of these women are playing women I don't think I've ever heard of, um, if I'm being honest with you. And so Trevisan is playing Rabakina. Pugula is playing Potapava. Uh, Alexandrova is playing Kvitova. And uh, I'm going to pronounce this, Sirstea is playing Sabalenka. So I've never heard of him. Uh, nice to get some parody in women's tennis. That's fun to watch. That's why I like watching women's tennis too. Like, especially the men's game sometimes, it's so like, oh, Rafa or Novak or El now or Medvedev are going to win this tournament. Women's side, you really don't know who's going to win it because anybody can get hot at any given second and really take over some of these tournaments. So that's why I really do like watching women's tennis um, because of the parody in the tennis. And it's, it's also awesome tennis to watch um the way they play is a mix of power and strategy and it's it's entertaining really and some of them really get into it when they start yelling at umpires and stuff and sometimes I'm not saying that's fun to watch but I'm saying man when players men or women get really really into it fantastic tv I love watching it All right, let's get into a little bit of news here. I wasn't going to, but I think I have a little bit of time, so I'm going to get into some things I've been waiting to get into for a couple weeks now. Quick, a couple things here. Let's go to Jensen Brooksby. He had surgery, it looks like, on his shoulder or his arm or something. Uh, Left wrist surgery. Sorry, to repair a tendon sheath, he said. It was, it was 100% dislocated. Looks like it's his left wrist, but you haven't heard me say Brooksby's name in quite a long time, and that is why. So hopefully he gets back to court soon. That would be awesome to see. Uh, what's going on in Miami right now actually had some politics join into it uh, because Novak Djokovic still can't travel the United States because he's unvaccinated, and that is why he's not playing in any tournament here. Um, Ron DeSantis, who is the governor I was going to say mayor who's the governor of Florida said the only thing he tweeted on March the 7th said the only thing keeping Novak Djokovic from participating in the Miami Open is President Biden's misguided and unscientific COVID-19 vaccination requirement blah blah said all this politics stuff hated on President Biden like they do in politics but then he got into it a little bit about you know how you know if they change this requirement of travel this is, you know, this would be different, and the best player in the world, in my opinion, could play at this tournament. The only reason I bring this up is because tennis s- still continues to be in the in the spotlight of politics, and that you saw this happen in Australia with Novak Djokovic. He was right in the middle of politics in Australia, and it's happening right here in the United States in Florida when it comes to politics. I'm very interested to see if something changes before the U.S. Open because. I don't. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about COVID in a long time. And I, although I do live in the Midwest, but I'm just saying like I haven't heard it be a huge topic of conversation on national news or in, in Washington when it comes to politicians. I haven't heard it be that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they revisit it with Novak Djokovic coming over here real soon as far as New York City. Are they going to change it? I have no idea. I have no idea if he's going to be able to play, but you're talking about one of the best players in the world coming to the United States and playing in the U.S. Open, which will bring more fans out, which will be more notoriety for the U.S. Open, and he can play literally anywhere else, but he can't play in the United States. So I would be curious to see if they do something about it. Not saying Ron DeSantis is going to pull Washington one way or the other, but if politicians start talking, then they start talking. Was Novak Djokovic just a a situation that was obvious for DeSantis to mention? Maybe. Probably. But uh that's the fact of tennis players and tennis in general are still topic of conversation in politics and what tennis does gets talked about in political circles. So that's just interesting, I thought. Um I don't I don't really necessarily know either way or what they're gonna do or what's gonna happen. But uh Novak Djokovic and unvaccinated players are definitely a topic of conversation right now, all over the world and in the United States. All right. That's it. That's the news. That's what's going on in the world. I am done for this episode. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Miami continues next week, really this week, and ends at the beginning of next week. And I'm going to have a recap podcast next week of the Miami Open. We'll talk about Miami. And there's a couple players still in the works for the Sunshine Double. That could happen in the Sunshine Double. I apologize. I think last episode I said Alcaraz had won the Sunshine Double. I saw some fault false reports that were not right. I believe the Sunshine Double is when you win Indian Wells and Miami back-to-back, not Miami and Indian Wells back-to-back. So there's still some players that could win the Sunshine Double in the same month, Elkaraz and Rabakina, but I apologize for that last week. Appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week. How about that? Cheers. Watch some tennis. Seriously, it's fun.